Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Welcome to youth, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're all glad you're here. Yeah. Um, before I start, uh, here's what I want to do. So this is a lot, we're talking about um, talking about sex tonight, which is always a fun time. I didn't. I like. I know it's Valentine's Day this week, and typical youth pastor thing to do is to talk about sex on the week of Valentine's Day. And I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that youth pastor. But I couldn't help it, and so that's what we're doing. Um, but here's what I want to do before I start. Uh, here's what we're not doing tonight. Uh, we're not talking about uh, sexuality and the gender conversation of things. That's later this semester. Um, we're having conversations about this, and we're falling underneath the authority of the Bible. We're talking about the act of sex. But here's, here's the other thing I want to acknowledge, especially the, the people in the room. Um, there are those in the room here tonight, you've been abused sexually. And I want to be incredibly sensitive to that. There are those here who uh, are, are dealing with addictions, uh, sexual addic- addictions specifically. A- and those, there are those of you in the room, um, for you, this, you've chosen, you, you've lived a life of abstinence. Uh, I didn't mean all of those to start with A's. That's my Baptist roots coming out. But um, you didn't get that joke. That's okay. I thought it was funny. Um, but but, but there, are many, there are many people in the room when it comes to the conversation of sex. And, and for those, there's some that has a lot of, a lot of baggage to it, the, perhaps even trauma. And, and there are those of you in the room, and this isn't to cause shame, this isn't to manipulate, but for there are those of you who are waiting for your next fix. And, and, and there are those of you who, who want so desperately to be free from that and are feeling the weight of the addiction. Uh, I, I could tell you this with full hope and, insur- and assurance and experience. You can be free. There's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in, in, in his name. And not just by saying his name, but he will give you the ability to resist temptation. And fight against that, no matter how deep in your addiction you think it might go. So, I'm going to open the Bible. We're going to read Matthew 5. We're going to read a couple of passages on, um, on a few different things. Um, Matthew 5:27, which says, You have heard that it said, uh, Do not commit adultery. Uh, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In his heart. Uh, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one, uh, one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one, one of the parts of your body than to lose your whole, uh, for then, for then for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus draws a very like serious line, and then he talks about the same line as far as like murder goes. If you, if you hate your brother or your sister, it's if, as if you killed them uh, in your heart. Matthew 15. Um, verses 19, which says, For from the heart 
comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, and slander. The stuff that comes out of our life is what's happening inside of our hearts. And then the original purpose of sex, um, the, what, it, what it's meant for, very beginning of the Bible, uh, Genesis 2, 22 to 25. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from that man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. So, sex is a good gift. Let me start off with that. Because um, I'm not throwing my parents under the bus on this one. Uh, growing up, and I don't know how many of your parents did this, but like there was a thing called the sex talk that just kind of explained the physiology of it. I never got that, and so I went exploring on my own to figure that out, and that basically was the slippery slope that like, I fell into my sexual addiction of pornography and, uh, and the like. Um, I'm not going to give you a sex talk tonight. I'm going to assume that you know. Um, what I want to talk about tonight is a little bit more of the underneath. Uh, what's going on in your heart? What are some of the effects? What, are, what does it do to your soul? What does it do to your heart? What does it do to other people? And healthy ways to view it. Um, and hopefully we can hear Jesus in this. So, here's the line. Since sex is a good gift, um, you don't actually have to have sex to be guilty of abusing the gift. Jesus draws that line pretty straight. If you look at a woman or man and, uh, lustfully, it's as if you've already had sex with that person. And, and the Bible's very clear. It's meant for man and woman in the context of marriage. I know there's probably a lot of opinions, a lot of beliefs in the room that you may not agree with me. So when you come here, we're just, we are assuming that we're falling under this. If you want to have a conversation with that, I am more than open to talk and to listen about what you might believe. Trust me, I, I, I've had many, and it's okay. I'm not going to argue with you. I will listen to you. But Jesus draws that like pretty straight line. Uh, so what's going on in, in your heart when, when the idea, when the thought, when the concept of sex comes to your mind? Well, maybe you can't seem to find joy in your life. There's nothing. There's no fulfillment in anything else. So you've turned to sex to numb, as anybody would, to alcohol, drugs, whatever. And when I say, let me, say, let me clarify, when I say sex, I'm talking about um, sex with another human being. I'm talking about pornography, masturbation, like that whole gambit. Um, I, I, I'm just going to put it all under one word. We're going to talk about um, sex in the healthy context and then what we believe as Christians in the sinful context. Maybe you can't escape the indescribable shame because of what has been done to you. And I'm going to clarify what I mean about that. I have something to say about people who have been sexually abused or raped. You are not at fault. Okay? Let me say that now, and I'll get to it later. Um, maybe you're just straight up lonely, and this is the only sort of relational fulfillment that you can find. And it's the only thing that's like, made you feel at any point less lonely. Or maybe you're somebody in the room and you just feel like 
You deserve that. You feel, you feel like you deserve anything that you want. And you have been affirmed by culture that you can have just that. So we live in a culture where it says, you want pleasure? Well, go after whatever that is. That's good for you. You can have it. It's yours. So everybody comes down fairly ruthlessly. This is from Mark Clark's book, The Problem of God. Um, comes down fairly ruthlessly when it comes to the conversation about sex and when it includes religion. Why? Oftentimes because people don't want to be deprived of our pleasure. That's not just sex. I like my comforts. I like the things that bring me joy, happiness, whatever, whether it be um, yeah, I, I, my house. I, I, I would hate, I would be very unhappy if my house was taken away from me. Um, my dog brings me great joy. I would be upset. I don't want my, the things that bring me joy to be taken away from me. Sex is not bad. Let me say that so many times. Growing up, I thought that it was bad because if it, if it was anything outside of marriage, it was wrong, it was dirty, it was filthy, you shouldn't do it, don't touch it, don't go anywhere near it, don't even talk about it. Especially if grandma's in the room. Oh, sorry, grandma, if you're listening to this. Um, it just was bad. You just don't go anywhere near it. You didn't touch it. It was filthy, and, and, and I think we're not there anymore. But there was this stigma to it that you couldn't go anywhere near it unless it was on your wedding night. And like, but like then all of a sudden it's supposed to be okay? How do, you, how do you retrain yourself? All of a sudden, just for those of you who plan on getting married or maybe don't but will, <laughs> um, when it comes to your wedding night, sex is not bad. We are not told to run from it. We are told to run from it in the area when it is sinful. But when it comes to talking about it, when it comes to learning about it, because you cannot, it is, trust me, it is extraordinarily different, difficult when you get to your wedding night and for your entire life that you have believed that it's bad and then all of a sudden you're supposed to believe it's good. You don't, it's not an automatic switch. It's, and, and it can cause both people an extraordinary large amount of pain. That's a side note. So, um, God, it's God's idea. He came up with it. This isn't something that God made everything and then was like, oh, how did you get there? Well, I guess I better make this good. No, this was his idea. He came up with this. It is good. So, healthy way to view sex before marriage. Just one line. If you got notes, write this down. It's a gift, not a right. Healthy way to view sex. It's a gift. It's not a right. God has given this graciously to us. It's not, we don't deserve the gifts that we get. When you see it as a right, here's what happens. The person you share it with, whether it be through a screen or physical contact, you are using them for your own pleasure and the gift is abused. When you see sex as a right, it's all about you. And that is not loving in any way, shape, or form to the person involved, including the person on the other side of the screen. Because chances are, and stats would show, that, um, what was it? I have it later on my notes. But there is an, a large a percentage of people who are in the pornography industry because they've been trafficked. And now they are working there. Uh, the same idea as prostitution, basically. Um, it's for both people involved. It's 
for both people's pleasure. It's not just for guys. It's not just for girls. It's for both, man and wife. Does sex make you a bad person? No. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> but your attitude? Sorry, that was TMI joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, but your attitude, your practice, and beliefs about sex can cause a lot of destruction in your life and other people's lives. It can cause an immense amount of destruction in your life and in the lives of others. Case in point, this guy right here, the woman I love, the woman I am married now to, um, and this is part of our story. We are incredibly open about this. You'll ask her, she'll tell you. I was addicted to pornography. I was sleeping around, and I was lying about it. And I had lied about it until it came out, not on my own terms, in my relationship. And the destruction that I knew it was already doing to my own soul because I was numbing something that I... It w that would never solve. I was using people for my own personal pleasure. And that destroyed my future wife. Because the question was, why was she not worth the wait? What was better than her? It causes a lot of destruction. Look at the porn industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry using people's bodies to make money. Does that sound familiar? It, it, it's very close to prostitution, and I would argue in some cases it is. Sex for money, and some people aren't there by choice. It fends off the vulnerable, and it feeds off needs of people in order to make money. It's completely selfish and self-centered in every single way. They make money off the fact that people can't keep it in their pants. Seriously. Like, it sounds so crass. But it's, that's just the reality. So, but here's the thing about sex. Second, 1 Corinthians 3, to, uh, th chapter 3, verse 7. Um, that's not the right verse. Um, I'm sorry, I messed it up. Here's what I read in the Bible. Here's what I see when sex is practiced in a healthy and God-fearing way. That it's actually not something to be run from. It's not something to be like, oh, gosh, don't touch that. And again, hear me. I'm not saying go do what you want because Andrew said run to sex. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't be scared to talk about it, especially with trusted people. Be open and honest about the secrets in your life because, A, it will break the power that it has over you, the, the power of your addictions. My guess is, is that some of you who are addicted to porn in the room, you don't have an accountability partner, and if you do, you just asked them and they said yes, but they haven't actually kept you accountable. That was just my story. I would talk to somebody, the guy, some other guy, we'd be like, oh yeah, me too. And there would be no accountability, no follow-up. We're not supposed to run from it. Let's talk about it in a healthy and a safe place. And marriage doesn't fix the problem. So you come in with your addiction, you come in with your brokenness, you come in with whatever you have when it comes to sex, marriage doesn't make everything go away. You have to work through your wounds. You have to work through your addictions. You need to, say, you need to deny yourself and say, God is what I, Jesus can fill the need that I want to numb with pleasure. There's a question that says, sex, 
Question mark? Well, why not? <laughs> it sounds restrictive. Now, here's an analogy that I got from, uh, from again, Mark Clark's book. It says, fish are restricted to water. It's where they thrive. If they were to go beyond their restrictions, they would die. The same idea goes with sex and marriage. If we go outside of the restrictions that God has put, and I know some of you all are like, rules? Yeah, let's break them. Um, but there is actually life, the only life that's possible when it comes to sex, within the restrictions that God has placed, and that is marriage. And there's life. God loves sex. He wants us to maximize our pleasure and joy in His gift, used in the right way, in the right context. They are water given graciously for our adventure. That's from Mark. I didn't say that. So why have sex? Well, pleasure and procreation within the context of marriage between a man and a wife. How are you emotionally affected by sex? Our bodies are not disconnected from our souls. So if you begin to feed yourself with an addiction, you try to numb something that you just want to go, and maybe you don't even, you can't even put your finger on what it is, but you're going after it through porn and maybe other people, your soul is incredibly connected. When you sin, you not only hurt God, but you hurt yourself. So you, you inflict deep soul damage that needs the power of Jesus. When you self-indulge, you self-pleasure, you become all about you. The thing that is most destructive to our spiritual lives is our self. Self. When we're number one in our lives, we are not good rulers of our life. Again, me, case in point. <laughs> and we become what we worship. And as Second Peter talks about, what we love enslaves us. So all of a sudden, you go from maybe just you being Lord of your life to now this addiction. Maybe this wound that has been done to you, which isn't fair, and that's different than enslaving. That's, that's bondage, and Jesus can set you free from that. And it does take time. I've seen people immediately healed from wounds, but I've seen people who also need, like, they need sessions. They need to talk to people. They need to work through the, the healing process that Jesus makes available through the Holy Spirit. So there's hope for you wherever, whatever part of the spectrum that you're on. Now, sexual sins. A very key distinction in here. Again, there's some of you in the room who have been sexually assaulted or raped. Uh, the odds just, they're there. I can say that very confidently. You did not deserve that. That is not your sin. That is the sin of others destroying and breaking your life. You have been sinned against. Okay? You hear that? I want to make sure everybody in the room hears that. You have not sinned. You have been sinned against if you've been sexually assaulted or raped. There's porn. Now, here's the crazy stat. Your generation, Gen Z, is having less sex than my generation did. Premarital sex. Um, why? It's because m more people are looking at ports. And here, here's the thing about porn. Porn trains you, whether you realize it or not. What you watch gives, like, sets your expectations when it comes to sex. 
what you watch, I, I was reading an article today uh, about the increase of violent uh, people who have experienced violence with, uh, within with sexual partners. Here's a crazy stat: fourteen percent of girls, thirteen, twelve to fourteen, have already been violently have had violent sexual interactions because of the way and what guys are watching in porn. After being exposed to pornography, um, people reported being less satisfied with their partner's physical appearance, sexual performance, and level of affection and expressed greater desire for sex without emotional involvement. That's all about self. That's all about me. That's all about number one. German researchers recently found that there is an association between the number of hours of pornogra pornography someone consumes each week and less gray matter in their brains. Now, gray matter is the darker tissue of the brain and spinal cord consisting mainly of nerve cell bodies and branching uh, dendrites. It's associated with decision-making and intelligence. Like, that's... That's kind of scary, and here's one of the most dangerous parts about it: is that it can affect it can affect understanding of consent. Guys think that they deserve what they deserve sex, that they can have it, and and all they need is consent, and they can do whatever they want. It's brutal, and here's the thing: it doesn't just affect you. Pornography feels like an isolated situation. It does not. Porn performers are trafficked into the industry. And porn's goal is to get as many people as possible just for money. I admittedly have been watching Grey's Anatomy with my wife because I'm a good husband. Um, I cannot stand that show. I, it drives me insane. But here's the thing that I've noticed as I've watched it. I've begun to watch beliefs of culture uh, within it. And that the belief, the belief is, is that sex brings intimacy, which is true, but intimacy that's accessible now and that doesn't have any repercussions, that you can have pleasure whenever you want, however you want, with whomever you want, and you can just move on seemingly and continue to do life as if nothing had happened is broken when the gift of sex is abused. Now, some of you in here would, mother, would much rather watch porn than take somebody out on a date. <laughs> it's what social media does. It takes away your ability to actually have conversations with people. Like the stats show it. I'm not, you, I've had all of you I've had great conversations with at some point, and if I haven't, we need to. But like, the same thing goes for porn. Why would you, when it comes to the gift of sex expressed in marriage, why would you love and pursue somebody if you're getting what you need off of a screen? Here's what some Christians would say, Jesus would never deny your pleasure, <laughs> or that grace equals license to sin. I just want to do a quick, like, what I'm going to get you to do in your life groups is, is look at, like, the gospel story. Remember what we did last year or last semester with, like, the other 
um, the other uh, religions that did the creation, fall, redemption, restoration form with them. But I want to do this for sex real quick. So creation. This is what the gospel of sex says to us. It says, I was created to be, do, enjoy whatever I want because my truth can be whatever I want. The fall is that sex is not just for, for procreation or pleasure, but my enjoyment. Whenever I want it, I can have it. Sex is now the definition of love. If somebody's not having sex with me, it means that they don't actually love me. The redemption, this is the only way I can find love, is through sex. I've sat with enough people to know and heard enough stories to know that there are people who worry that because their boyfriend, girlfriend aren't having sex with them, they don't love them. And the restoration, the belief is that sex will, sex will fill your, your needs relationally, even if it doesn't physically, and that you can have whatever you want, however you want, and no one ever needs to know about it. So what would you say that culture says about sex? What have you been looking at, watching, reading, observing through advertisements, through movies, through TV, whatever. Here's my, here's where I want to land. L you're not married yet. Most of you, some of you are going to be, but that's not who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> There's a denying of yourself that needs to take place in order for you to break free of addiction. See, here's the thing. Jesus made available a greater Jesus made available a greater intimacy than sex that brings more pleasure than sex does to know God is to know deeper he who has set you and I free from bondage and sin it's a deeper knowledge than sex brings of another human when the gift of sex is abused it's this it's the putting of our own needs and our wants before the sake of our own uh, for the sake of our own pleasure the putting of our own needs and wants before another for the sake of our own pleasure. Sex is a good gift. I would argue grace is the greater gift. Jesus took the humble form of a human for the sake of our souls. That is the greatest denial of self ever performed. The good news is that even though people have exercised and exacted their own selfishness onto your life, or you practice whatever, going after whatever you want, whenever you want. Jesus saw us in this mess and decided to not treat being God and use it to his own advantage and be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that we would find the greater pleasure of knowing God and be saved. So this is a conversation starter. You know where I land. We fall under the authority of the Bible. The questions are at the back. Life group leaders on the chair. Um, this is a sensitive topic for some people. I get it. My prayer is that this is a, a safe place, a trusted space in this. Um, if there's something you need to confess, you feel like God is placing on your heart that you need to get out, um, find somebody, either myself or your life group leader. Or on the flip side of that, something has been done to you and you have never shared it before and the enemy has tried to keep you down in shame because it, he wants you to believe that you're the one who is wrong, let me tell you now, Jesus has more for you and he wants to heal you of that. The same thing. 
find somebody who is trusted, um, myself or a life group leader, um, just to know. Um, if, if, if and, and I'm not saying that this happens just to women. This happens to guys as well. Guys, girls, if you want to talk to me, I will bring one of your life group leaders into the conversation with me um, just for your own safety purposes and, and all of that. Um, so just as, I, but don't let that be the reason you keep it a secret. Okay? So, Lord Jesus, be glorified in our life group times. Um, say what you need to say through us, to us. In your name, amen. Thank you.